I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, Dave Kittle here. Welcome back to The Dave Kittle Show. I'm the owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy here in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We are currently speaking with practice owners about partnering or acquiring some or all of their practice. And today we have a really high energy guest, recent book launch. We're going to talk all about it. Today's guest, Joanna Oki. She is an attorney and managing partner in Australia at Aspect Legal. You can check them out online at aspectlegal.com.au. And Joanna is the host of a very popular podcast called The Deal Room. And among many other things, she also had somehow, we're going to ask how she found out the uh, found <laughs> the amount of time to do so, but also just recently launched a book. The book is titled Buy, Grow, Exit, The Ultimate Guide to Using Business as a Wealth Creation Vehicle. Joanna Ogie, welcome on. Thank you so much, Dave. It's so exciting to be here on your podcast. It feels a little bit different being on the other end of the uh, interviewer microphone here. <laughs> I know. So I follow your your podcast on iTunes and you have a lot of different guests on there, but also now on LinkedIn, especially you're doing a ton of, you know, rightfully so you're doing a ton of promotion with your recent book launch. So whether a practice owner is like us, so we're in the buy, the, the growth stage where we're acquiring and buying. So some practice owners or some physical therapists and physios that listen to the show might be in my particular situation, or they're a practice owner that maybe has owned their practice for 10, 20 years, and maybe they're thinking about selling some or all their practice. So if we could just give them a little bit of a a little bit of a tip or a little bit of a, a strategy session on what's in it for them, why should they check this book out? And then we can get into like why you wrote it and everything else. But why would this type of a book help a practice owner, a physio, a healthcare provider that owns a practice that owns a business? Yeah. So, so I guess the first comment is I'm in Australia, obviously, as you said, and as people will probably pick up from my accent, <laughs> I, I hear the Aussie accent is quite a strong, strong accent out there. But anyway, whilst I'm based in Australia, the book by Grow Exit really is based on principles of principles of acquisitions, principles of growing a business safely, principles of exit. So, you know, my first comment is it really is universally applicable, if, you know, in the US, in Australia, anywhere, you know, around the world, really. And for picking up on, on the buy and the exit side, as you said, I think, you know, one of the first comments I would make is that, you know, acquisition is, I mean, there's, there's sort of two approaches to acquisition. You can either be acquiring a business because you're looking to get started and that's a way for you to get into business. So you acquire a business to get a business or you acquire as part of growth, which is obviously your strategy, Dave, and what you're talking about. And, and part of what I do in the book is really shine a light 
on the opportunity in that area because there are so many businesses. So SMEs, small, and SMEs is a terminology here in Australia, small to medium-sized enterprise businesses. So, so small to medium-sized businesses who just don't understand the opportunity in acquisitions, acquisitions for growth as opposed to just organic. And, you know, it excites me. I'm a lawyer. We don't get many things to really excite us much. (laughs) People don't really come to us like, how can I grow my business? I got to go see my lawyer. But here's a way that we can really provide sort of insight into some and a really exciting way that you can grow your business. And that, and that's obviously the space that you're in. But I find in this health space, and we deal with a lot of businesses in the health space, I, I find in particular that those are the sorts of businesses that can be very hard to run, you know, a good profit level and return level when they're small or a single location. But as soon as you start to click onto this idea of adding businesses into a buying businesses, you really can change the dynamic of the way the business can work for you as the owners. And so I guess that's, you know, on the buy side, it's, it's really about that, that, that thought bubble of the opportunity that's often missed. And then I also talk about mechanics because there are some things to be aware of. You want to make sure that if you're acquiring, you are getting the value that you're looking for out of the acquisition. And and that's really important. And on the exit side, I really, really focus on this importance of understanding what you need to do to maximize your value to be fully prepared for exit. And it's not just about maximizing your value. It's also about preparing your business in a way that the value that you're getting is the value that you're receiving in your pocket at the end of the day as well. And this is where tax in different jurisdictions can play a different role. But I think it's a universal approach that business owners who understand being properly prepared for exit will get a better outcome, whether it's a better outcome on you know that high-level value that they're able to extract out of the business for the amount that's paid or the deal terms, the way in which it's paid, or just simply in their pocket at the end of the day because they've structured themselves correctly from a tax perspective. Makes a lot of sense. So in terms of the the wealth creation vehicle, what we've heard and what we've seen in the US is that many of these practice owners have 80 or 90% of their net worth tied up into their practice. So when I see the title of your book as the the subtitle of the, the ultimate guide to using business as a wealth creation vehicle, the exit or the liquidity event is basically like that practice owner is able to turn that 85% of their net worth that's tied up in the business. Now they can actually have a liquidity event and maybe be liquid where then they they have a lot more flexibility in terms of like maybe they make other investments or other side projects they could invest in real estate they but or they could maybe diversify a little bit more as opposed to like 85% of their net worth being tied up in that particular business so in terms of some of the clients or the the colleagues or professionals that you've interacted with or worked with is that typically a consideration like with some of your clients that are looking to exit Oh, absolutely. And the problem is that practice owners, in fact, it's, it's, it's across the board. It's not just health practices, but certainly in this industry, we'll see business owners not think about exit until the time that they're ready for exit. And then they're already tired. You know, it's too late at that point. The best time to exit 
is just before you're ready to exit, which is ironic, really. But that is not the point when most practice owners will start thinking about exit. It's when they're exhausted, they're over it, they don't want to be in it anymore, but they don't have, they've lost some of the magic in the business at that point in terms of sale value. And quite often they'll come in and they'll say, this is what I need to sell the business for. This is what I need out of the business. Oh, we hear that all the time. Yeah. I know, right? And then I'm just, I'm having this conversation constantly, which is, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all, but what you need is completely unrelated to what your business is worth. There is no connection whatsoever. And if you hold on because you need a certain figure and you built this practice expecting that that was the figure that you get because this is where your nest egg is, you know, you've put yourself in a really difficult position. And and the reality is, you know, the businesses that do best at exit, number one, are business owners who have energy at, at that point for the exit process. You know, I absolutely, I absolutely think that. And particularly in health practices, because quite often we have that connection of the business owner to the value in the business, which is the patient, the client database, right? And so, you know, a buyer will come in and want to ensure there's a way that they can extract that value, which quite often means needing the sellers, the owners to stay in for a while to transfer that relationship. So number one, if you've set your practice up in a way that is like that, which is the majority of practices, you have to be aware that the sale process can take time and that you need to build that into your time planning for the future in terms of the timing. But also be aware that when you've got more energy, sometimes being part of that acquisition, I mean, look, it can be a more fun process. <laughs> you know, if you've got more energy and if you've built the business up in the right way, because buyers coming in ultimately are looking They're looking for what is the value that I want in this business? Will I be able to extract that? Will I be able to pass that on to me? So that's the first thing. It's the value equation that they want to see. And then the second component is, is there risk for me? Is there risk in the business that will transfer to me? Is there risk in loss of value along the way? And, you know, the more an owner, practice owners understand this as they're growing their practice, the more attractive it will be for them at sale. But also, it's a better practice to run. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if they can work out a way to build the practice in a way that understands how a buyer will be looking at their business ultimately when they're looking to purchase it, then it will put them ahead of the path. And and then in terms of the the practice owners that are going through this process, what are some of the common challenges? like? If they're if they're not working with someone experienced, if they're not working with an experienced broker or advisor, if they're not working with an experienced law firm like yourself, if there's a practice in in Australia, what are some of the common pitfalls or challenges that if they don't have someone in their corner that's experienced, that they're not able to learn ahead of time? Like here's some of these common challenges, or they they get into this process on their own and they 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 have no experience in doing it, right? Because their whole experience was being a physio, a physiotherapist, treating patients, growing their practice. Do you see any commonalities there with challenges, pitfalls, issues with uh, going at it on your own versus having trust professionals in your corner? Yeah, absolutely. Selling your business can be a very emotional process, you know, and this is a thing that is so often overlooked. You know, quite often we're dealing with practice owners who have spent decades 
building this business, you know, and they feel really connected to it. So selling it and their identity is connected to the practice quite often. And, you know, selling it can be an emotional process. If you don't recognize that, the reality is that, and I've seen this time and time again, right? I've seen sellers come to a sale and then suddenly have this moment where they say, hold on, maybe a better deal for me is right around the corner. Maybe this is not the right deal for me. Maybe the risk is too high because I don't understand these sorts of things that are normal that sit in these sale agreements. And I don't have a lawyer who understands it, who can explain to me that this is normal. So I think that element of emotion is really important. And and I've seen sellers walk away from good deals because they thought a better deal might be around the corner. And this is back to their connection to feeling that this is their nest egg and, you know, this is it, their one chance at liquidating it. They they don't want to to make the wrong mistake. They don't don't want to make the wrong, no. But walking away from that deal is, I think, in most of the instances that I've seen, that is actually the mistake because quite often that buyer that's there at the table, you know, the buyer who's there, if you turn around and walk away, they'll go to the next one, you know. And at that point, you sit there realizing that actually it's quite hard to find good buyers in a market that will, you know, carry through. We're actually seeing here in Australia right at the moment, a lot of buyers not actually, a lot of deals, you know, at the moment, I'd say it's around about maybe getting up to 20% of deals aren't completing at the moment because buyers are pulling out or sellers are pulling out, you know. So there's the buyers, the issue for them is a funding component at the moment here in Australia. Sellers, it's this emotion because they haven't got their head straight and they haven't gotten educated. They don't understand and they haven't got a deal team around them. So their advisors, their lawyers, their accountants who can tell them what is normal in a situation. So, you know, I've seen this play out so many times where a seller will go and engage a lawyer and a lawyer will come in and be overly cautious and non-commercial about what the transaction documents, the sale documents look like. The reality is there's standard, there's standard approaches in these areas and it's, it's not something to be fearful of. It's just the approach and you need someone who can say to you, this is normal, this is not normal. And the reality is that most lawyers will rarely deal with, won't be dealing on a day-to-day basis with business sale and acquisitions because quite often a practice owner, as an example, will only go through one acquisition, one exit in their entire life unless they're, you know, like you are aggregating out there, you know, buying multiple businesses. For the average small business, they'll only buy and exit once in their life. Their general practice lawyer will therefore only work through that process with them once in that 10, 20, 30 year span. You know, so the reality is, and people don't understand this, they just think all lawyers do lawyer stuff. So all lawyers must know about business sale and acquisitions. It's actually a hugely specialist area. And and this is when you need someone to rely on where you can say, is this normal? Is this not normal? And, you know, because there's, there's so many elements to be aware of from a legal perspective. There are many areas where there is risk that can carry on for a seller post, you know, post completion. We call it completion here in Australia. I think in the US you call it closing, post closing. But there are sensible ways to deal with that risk. And risk doesn't mean you turn your back on a deal. Risk means that you deal with it in a proactive, sensible, commercial way. Makes a lot of sense. And I don't know what it is in, the, in Australia, but in the US, it's like seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 businesses that are put up for sale 
never actually are sold. And I think we covered a little bit of that where it's like the sellers, it's emotional. They haven't been through it before. They're also thinking like, like you said, something better is going to come along. They don't want to make the wrong decision. They don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to sell too low if they think they can sell it higher. If they hold it longer, they think that they could maybe grow it a little bit more and then get a little, you know, 10 or 20% more in the next couple of years. So those are some of the the challenges of of getting into that process. What about maybe the next couple of steps? What are some of the next couple of steps for practice owners for helping them kind of pre-pace or kind of foreshadow the process, whether it's um, having these professionals like you or other professionals in their corner for organizing their documents and their financials. And another great tip you mentioned I like, which is someone that's an advisor, accountant, lawyer, attorney, they can let the the practice owner, they can let the sellers know what are what's common or like what's not a deal killer and what's okay. And like, even though yes. it might seem, it might seem like something like maybe even offensive might be said or, yeah. or, a, or something on a call or something like, for example, I've seen a, or I've heard a quote where someone said the deal is not dead until it dies twice. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we can, maybe we can, maybe we can go into that because, you know, sometimes a seller doesn't understand the full process. The buyer the buyer is probably maybe in some cases more serious and, and the seller's trying to see like what's out there. So both sides are trying to gauge like their level of, of commitment and seriousness, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, 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 you know, and sometimes it can be one of those things, people that, you know, there's this deal fever. So people who are selling and buying, you have this, you have this sort of moment of emotion where everyone's like, yeah, let's get this done. Right. And then there's this moment of pause quite often. And I'm a big advocate for keep up deal momentum, keep things moving really quickly and keep communication lines open. And and so I, you know, I'm just as an aside, you know, there is this tendency of lawyers to want to hide behind computers and send emails backwards and forwards and marked up documents backwards and forwards, which is just a pain in the neck. And it is a bit of a thing. It's a painful side of dealing with lawyers in the industry. So my approach and the approach that we use at Aspect Legal is get ahead of the deal, have a super clear process, timetable, know what you're doing, move quickly through it. But also where there's issues, get people together talking because it's that communication aspect that's super important, you know, so get people talking. But but as I said, so deal momentum, really important. Communication, super important. Don't let people just hide behind backwards and forwards of emails. Get all of the teams. I call it an all parties meeting where as soon as we think there's a bit of a roadblock, stop with the emails, get everyone together you know, in a joint meeting and just work it through, get to an outcome, get to an end position, which helps maintain the trust between the buyer and seller, which is super important. But there can be this point if transactions slow down with both either party or both parties suddenly say, oh, is this the right deal for me? You know, the seller's like, oh, I could get more money, better terms if I go. I reckon there might be, you know, a better buyer in the market. The buyer does the whole oh, maybe, you know, there's risk in this business. And as they're doing due diligence, you'll probably identify that there's always, no business is perfect. There's always something that can pop up and you say, actually, wow, you know, that might be a risk for us in this investment into the future. And the problem is non-sophisticated buyers will be put off by that stage in their first or second or third even attempt at buying a business. And this is a bit of a tip. This is why I think it's great for sellers to go with 
buyers, to choose buyers who have bought before because they understand the process are actually more likely, in my humble opinion, anecdotal evidence. I haven't put this test to um, to any formal market test, but just in, in my experience, buyers who have bought before, so more sophisticated buyers, are far more likely to complete a transaction than first-off buyers because first-off buyers will come in, have a look around, but not necessarily fully understand the process and can get a bit nervous, particularly in their first or second attempt at a deal. And what they'll traditionally do is have sort of one or two or three part attempts until they actually get across the line with a deal because they realise they've got to be more commercial. They realise no business is perfect. They realise all of these things. So I guess as a seller, you know, number one, that helps you in terms of identifying who is the right buyer to go for if you've got multiple buyers on the table at the moment, but also making sure you're educated so that when it comes to the crunch, you don't suddenly get concerned that there's a whole heap of things that you don't understand in the deal that prevent you from going forward. So I think education is key. I think that's why the podcast that you have, Dave, is is so important to the market. You know, people who are selling or buying or whatever, just getting their head around what happens in the process, I just think is critical. And it's so useful. I find it a really important component that clients who come to us understand. And so it takes away part of that education um, element, you know, that's required in the area because they've gotten their head around. They've got their head around some of the issues. They've gotten their head around what deal structure can be. Another one that I want to throw in is, and I don't know how relevant this is in the US, but here in Australia, the way of structuring a deal um, is that there's lots of levers that buyers can pull and sellers can pull enable in order to ensure that you get that marriage of a buyer getting the value that they want out of the transaction and feeling secure in getting that transaction and the seller getting what they want in terms of the generally the purchase price at the end of the day and the money in their pocket. But deal structure here in Australia these days, there's a greater and greater tendency to earnouts, deferred payments, vendor financing, whatever you want to call it, and different ways of shaping the deal. Some sellers come in and they're scared of that. But the reality is, you know, and they're the, they're the sellers who really need advisors who understand what's normal in the market because I'm constantly having this discussion. You know what? That's quite normal. Don't be scared of it, but there's ways that we can help protect you. And I think that's another element as well that sometimes sellers get scared because they don't understand what's usual. Yeah. And I would love to explore a little bit more of uh, the deal structures that you're seeing. And I can let you know, like for us, some practitioners that we're speaking with, they're looking to, get out of the practice. They're looking to sell 100%. And so after some, we have to kind of agree upon some like transitional, you know, transitional time where they're going to still be there and they're going to be helping steady the ship, you know, kind of like smooth out any like culture and morale, make sure that there's no like no major shock and surprise and just even everything out. We need them to help us. And there's some practice owners that we're speaking with where they're like, you know, hey, they want to keep treating patients for another five years, or they want to just continue to work in the office and, and kind of do the day-to-day with like hiring and, and onboarding and leading the team. And some practice owners say like, hey, I'm looking to stick around for another five years. Great. Like we will pay more for that. And that type of a practice owner will probably get more money 
if not all the money up front or at the closing date, as opposed to a practice owner that is saying, you know, I'm looking to get out in three to six months and we're not going to now we have to spend either time or money ourselves, our team to replace that production of of treating patients and kind of leading and managing the day to day and whatever roles. And and many of these practice owners, as you know, like they're doing many roles, like they're a little bit of marketing, a little bit of HR, a little bit of everything, payroll, everything. And so that type of practice owner will probably get less money at the close. And then maybe some is deferred or a seller's note or seller's finance. And there might be different terms with how you guys structure and, and say some of those terms. What are you seeing in Australia in terms of any of the the deals, the deal structures, whether, you know, maybe 100% cash at close, are you seeing 80, 20 or 70, 30 splits and and where the, the buyers want to keep that practice owner kind of with some skin in the game? Do you, are you seeing some of those things? Yeah. So in Australia, the keeping, there is absolutely the um, same position that if a practice owner it's okay to stay in the business for a period of for, for an extended period of time after sale. They'll they'll have a higher buy pool and they'll they'll get a better price for the business. And the way it often works here in Australia, and I'd say at least half of the deals that we work on will have some component of a deferred payment post closing. So that's an earnout. So an earnout. I'm not sure if you use the same same terminology, yep, yep. but an earnout here. Um, is is based on there's a proportion of the sale price that will be held back, and then that will be that will be given over one year or two years based on the practice maintaining the performance, whether that's revenue or profit. That's quite a source of negotiation, but it really is about ultimately what it's about is not even so much performance, even though that's the metric that's used. It's about incentivizing the seller to stay on with the business and, and ensure an orderly transition. Because from a buy perspective, you know, it's important for sellers to understand that buyers, and I'm not sure if you're the same, Dave, but buyers coming in will be able to the best out of a business if they don't make changes immediately. The second they come in, there's some right. sort of orderly transition, not a massive shock to the business. And a practice owner wanting to leave straight away is quite often a huge shock to the business, you know, and, and it depends how they've set up, set it up. If they've set it up in a way that there's a really strong management, management team and they're able to continue, you know, that can be a bit different if the owners are sitting there more as an investor rather than integrated into the practice. But that is such a rare <laughs> event, you know, like really the, the practice owners we're dealing with are we're wearing a million hats, as you say, Dave, and like, super integrated into the practice. And and so that needs care for that transition to be fair to the buyer and to ensure that, you know, a buyer actually sees that they're going to be able to extract the value that they expect out of the money that they're coughing up for you to go and retire at some point post-transition. But this is another reason why many practice owners have timing of exit completely wrong. You know, don't come to exit when you're exhausted and just want to exit immediately because you're not going to be able to, you're unlikely to be able to extract that value that you want. And so you said, Dave, that um, quite often there is this paying full cash at closing. Here in Australia, it's not that really is not the norm in order to extract the most value out of 
your business at exit and practice owners who will only accept full cash at closing and aren't willing to stay for an extended period of time will find themselves with a very limited pool of buyers and a very limited sale price. Yeah, lower offers, definitely. 100% because they're not looking at it from the buyer's eyes in terms of how they can make this business work for the buyer once they come in. Oh, I like that. Let's expand on that. So many sellers, right? They have this practice, 10, 15, 20, maybe 30 years. And it is kind of all about them. They're having buyers like us reach out to them. You know, hey, are you interested in exiting or transitioning or selling some or all of your practice, et cetera? In the US, there's a ton of buyers for physical therapy right now. So with your clients and and the, the folks you've spoken with, how important is it for some of these sellers to kind of understand, like, as the buyers, I'm a physical therapist, I'm a practice owner, I can easily try to put myself in that practice owner's shoes. I want to be able to relate and get to know them and build rapport. So I need to put myself in their shoes. How important is it for the potential sellers out there to try to put themselves in the shoes of the buyers? Like, would they buy their practice? It is critical. It's critical not just from that preparation step, so building your practice in a way that will be attractive to a buyer when they come in, but it's also critical in the deal as well because there can be so many misunderstandings if you don't understand, if you're not seeking to see the transaction from the buyer's perspective. Because if a buyer is asking for you know certain things in the contract, for example, it really helps to understand where that's coming from because then you can find the win-win, the middle ground. And that's another call as to why you need advisors around you who've run this race before many times and can give you that flip side perspective because it's it's super important to understand the reason for why people you're dealing with will behave in, in a certain way. And there's one other thing I want to add to this in terms of understanding your business from a buyer's perspective and then choosing the right buyers for your business. If we you know, we've already said that you'll extract the most value, most likely to extract the most value, the best deal, if you are willing to stay with the business for a period of time post-closing. You also want to choose a buyer that you think you're going to get on with, you know, and not straight sure. against in that period of time. Because there's, it's not just about money when you're selling a business. And I think that is often a really overlooked thing. And actually, this is one of the things that can come up towards the end of a transaction when sellers have never really thought about, because quite often, you know, as a practice owner, you'll be concerned about the staff and making sure the staff are going to be looked after in in the right way. You'll be concerned about the culture that they're moving into. You'll be concerned about your clients, customers getting the same, you know, sort of service that you have in the past. I mean, some for some business owners, that's a thing. For some, it's not. But if it is a thing for you, You need to acknowledge that from the beginning and make that part of your process when evaluating how you want to go about selling your business and when. I love it. Joanna Oki, buy, grow, exit, the ultimate guide to using business as a wealth creation vehicle for the audience here in the US or or listening anywhere in any other country. What's the best place for them to get the book? Is it on Amazon? I know it is on Amazon, but is that the best place or is it also on your website? Where should they go to check out the book? So we've got it on our website at buy, grow, exit. 
.com.au. We've got a .au at the at the end there because obviously we're at, I'm in Australia, or you can get it on Amazon as well. And uh, yeah, and and we're looking at an ebook format soon when uh, when when I can get there. But um, and of course. The Deal Room podcast is available everywhere, and and I think you find it by searching the Deal Room podcast. The word podcast is in the title, or Joanna Oki is another way for you to find it. And of course, that's on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. <laughs> Joanna Oki, attorney, managing partner of Aspect Legal, podcast host, and now author. <laughs> Go ahead and check out the book. And I would love to have you on sometime next year. There's so many other topics we could go into. This was kind of, um, we, we we covered many things in a short amount of time. Really appreciate your time. This is great. I know it's going to be valuable to the audience. I really do like the specific part that we dug in there of, of kind of helping these practice owners realize like, hey, it is about you. And this is important. Biggest transaction of your life. And also that component of potentially trying to see how it is to put yourself in the eyes or the shoes of the buyer. I really like that. It's really important. It's just like, like we're treating patients, you know, physio patients, right? So like we're evaluating patients and we want to understand their back pain and where they're coming from. And, you know, we as physios put ourselves in the shoes of our patients. We want to understand where they're coming from. So now it's like, you're still the physio or you're the practice owner, the healthcare practice owner, putting yourself in the shoes of the buyer. Like, would you buy your type of practice? Like, like what, what can you imagine they're looking at all that so much value, Joanna, really appreciate your time. This was great. Thanks for having me, Dave. I loved it. Excellent guys in the audience. If you found this valuable, go ahead and copy and paste this link and send it, text it, email it to a friend, colleague, healthcare provider, physiotherapist, send it to someone that is business-minded like you, entrepreneurial. Maybe they're looking to buy practices, buy businesses. Maybe they're looking to sell some or all of their practice. I know this would be a good episode for you to share with them. So do that. You can rate, review, subscribe, get notified of the new episodes as they are published across the internet. And for Joanna and I, that's it for now in this episode. We will see you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or You can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.